This is the Self-Help Place podcast, the show that provides real self-help for everyone. Created and hosted by Dan Dyson. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to the Self-Help Place podcast. This is episode 17, and in today's episode, we're going to be talking about life and how life doesn't have to be such a structured thing. And if you feel like your life is kind of all over the place, how that's absolutely one, perfectly fine, and two, actually better than having it a structured way. So back with me again is the, our regular guest, Dave Norris. Dave, how are you doing this fine day? As always, Dan, fantastic. You know me. <laughs> Excellent. Even though there's been some trying stuff happening and stuff that's really making me question what I'm doing, it's... um. It's been good. I feel you. It's a chance to learn, I guess. Yeah, I feel you, man. But I'm glad you're good through all of that. So, yeah, actually, that kind of correlates into um, what's the day. If, you, if you're questioning what you're doing, that's kind of on topic of what we're talking about. So uh, that's uh, mm. good to bounce some stuff off you. So I'm going to start off today by um, telling you about a gentleman called Alan Watts. Now, he's someone I've mentioned quite a few times on this podcast and on my website in the past, actually, in some of my blog posts and things like that. Um, and he was a British philosopher who uh, lived around, I think, I'm trying to remember the decade dates he was around, like 30s, 40s, and then I think he passed away in the 70s. But he was very famous for bringing Eastern philosophy to the West and presenting them in a way that we would understand. Now, one of his most famous lectures, there was, a, I'm going to directly kind of sub-quote it, if you like, and give you an, um, something that he teaches his students. So, he compares life to music, and what he starts this lecture off as, he, he says it like this, he says, when you listen to a piece of music, you don't listen to just the end note, do you? If that was the case, then the best performances would be the bands and the orchestras that just play the fastest, just to get to that end point. You don't go to a concert just to hear what the ending note will be or how the ending will sound. Otherwise, the best performances, they'll just go on stage, play the end note, and then you'll all walk off. It's, it's ludicrous. But that's actually what we do in our education system and how we teach our kids that what life is supposed to be about. Because what happens is, as Alan Watts describes, is that we, we enter our children into, things, uh, into preschool and reception or nursery or whatever country you are from, whatever the basis, the start of any education system is. And Alan Watts describes it as like a here kitty kitty approach where you're, you're sort of baited into, because you have to go through the school system, you go through the years of school. So you finish primary school or elementary school, you go to your middle schools or high schools, and it's all great. And then they teach you all about this aspiring for success, and it's going to be great. And then, you know, you get a job, and then you become a head of a company, and that's where you need to be. And that's when it's, that's what success is, and everything's fine from there. So what you do, you go to college, and then you go to whatever system after that either apprenticeships or graduate schools or what have you and then you start at let's say you start in some firm selling insurance as as quoted here and then you have to reach a quota and then you reach that quota you got to reach the next quota and all this time you're thinking the success is coming this thing I've been working for all this thing all this time I've been learning and working for it's all coming and then you reach all those quotas and then one day you're about 40 years old and you wake up and you're finally there Everything that you've been taught about this this moment, this success, you're finally at the head of this. You're finally the head of this company. You're finally a CEO or whatever, and you've made it. But you feel no different than what you did before, and you feel a bit let down by that. You feel disappointed because you feel like you've been hoaxed, 
And what Alan Watts goes on to describe is there is a big hoax is because you have been taught to believe that the only thing that's worth it in the end, the only, the only thing you need to get to is that end point. And what he finishes with a really nice analogy is the point was to never get, it, the point was to never just aim for that end. The point is the music had been playing all this time. You just had to sing and dance to it on the way. So that's what I want to start with when it comes to thinking about how to live your own life. You know, we're all obsessed with this end result, this success, this money, this car and everything like that. And unless we follow this perfectly structured, oh, I have master's degrees and degrees in this and that and the other, or I've, I've done this course or I, I've, been doing, I've been working since I was 16 and like, I know how it is, you're always working towards this end point. And the problem is we lose track of our own lives and how we're actually supposed to learn through things like failure and you mess things up and you try again. Um, that's the best way to learn and that's what we're going to go into today. And part of that actually is being vulnerable and accepting vulnerabilities. So Dave, what is, what's your view on that and what's your view on things like vulnerability in regards to uh, making success out of your own life? God, I have so many ideas to go off just what you just said because I didn't hear it before <laughs> before we started. Um, right. Bo- 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 okay. I don't even know where to start on this one. I, w- I would like to... Before I go into like vulnerability, can I say something else? I don't know if I've already mentioned it in another episode, um, but you were talking about this kind of structure that we're kind of, I don't know if we're taught it or if it's shown um, of, you know, you go to school, you get the job, you work up your job to, you know, what end. Um, that, that way of life, when you really think about it, is really, really recent. And there's actually, there's an acronym for it. Um, and it's that society is weird, Western, educated, um, industrial, rich, and democratic. Oh, okay. Which is the kind of capitalist system that we're in at the moment. Right. And the guy who kind of wrote this book, I cannot remember it, because I, I, I'm just singing this off the top of my head. I can't remember who wrote Is it Jared Dimes, I think? Um, right. He, he was saying that the reason capitalism is the way it is and the reason people are living the way it is is that this structure we're talking about is kind of a benefit to nobody except those who are already rich and those already in charge the rich get richer yeah right exactly um so i just wanted to like see it like through the looking glass sort of thing i always i always not a conspiracy i don't think it's a conspiracy i think it's just a system that has reinforced values that benefits itself Right. I don't think that's a conspiracy. I think that's a that's a given. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um. So you could you know take that with a pinch of salt. Now that you can see it from the outside, you can kind of relax and go, oh, okay. Like this is the way we're taught it to be because everyone else was taught it because they were taught it because it benefits people at the top. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. I just wanted to throw that in there. Um. But with um with the with being vulnerable, I would I would argue strongly, um, that there's a kind of power. Um, to being vulnerable it, it empowers you in mm-hmm. a, in a in a positive way not in a i don't i don't care what anybody thinks of me sort of phony way um before the lockdown happened i um i really started getting into climbing so like rock climbing and belaying and free climbing and bouldering and trying my hand at it and i really got into it i was going with a group of friends and we were going and i was really getting into it and really enjoying it and as a result of that, I started watching um, some documentaries about it uh, to kind of really fuel it, you know, to kind of see how the top guys do it because everyone loves doing that. Um, 
and I really enjoy sports documentaries anyway. I really love athletes. I think they're absolutely outstanding. Uh, but there's a couple of um, documentaries that are pretty well known. And the one I want to talk about is Free Solo. So that's the name of the movie. Right. And it's about a young a young guy by the name of Alex Honnold, who is one of the most accomplished free solo climbers in the world. Now, a free solo climber, for those who don't know, is somebody who will climb a mountain or a specific route or whatever without any ropes, without any safety, without any tools. They'll just do it on their own. It's really weird to see a guy climbing a mountain that's 2,000 feet in the air just in a t-shirt you know like it's so, yeah. so, so strange about it and scary oh man even just talking about it now like my palms start getting sweaty and my hands start getting sweaty because <laughs> i'm so freaked out um but but anyway so the the guy alex honnold who this documentary is about he he attempts to climb el capitan which is one of the mountains or one of the uh one of the peaks should i say in uh, Yosemite National Park in California, in the States. Right. Um, this route is consi- was considered, sorry, spoilers alert, uh, <laughs> was considered impossible to free solo climb. Right. And he spent years and years working it out to try and get it. Um, one of the really powerful things he keeps saying in the documentary is that there's the sense of vulnerability when you're up there. Yeah. So even even if you have ropes and tools and you're you're climbing, you're still pretty vulnerable. It's you, the wall, and your ability to climb it, and there's nothing else. If you can't climb it, it will become pretty evident very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout the documentary, you see him attempting the climb with ropes, just so he can practice the routes. So you know there's certain maneuvers you have to do. You have to get your your fingering right and your feet positioned correctly. So he's practicing it with the ropes and he's falling like quite a lot. And then he's comparing that experience with other climbs that he's done without ropes. And he's saying it's it's almost like a mindset. You're super vulnerable, way more than you were before. And that vulnerability seems to unlock his potential. Yes. Sharp it sharpens his mind. You know, he's he he isn't he says weirdly he's not thinking about falling. He thinks more about falling when he's got a rope, which is bananas. That's crazy. That is absolutely crazy. When he, when there is the risk, you know, the ultimate, ultimate fate of falling without a rope. Yeah. That is when he is at his best. And he says it's some of the best climbing he feels he's ever done. And he's in this, he, he manages to elevate his uh, mindset into the space that he's not able to do when he's got ropes. And it's all because of this vulnerability it's him and the wall and that's it he's exposed if something happens out there it's just him there's nothing to fall back on and i think that's so interesting and what what a powerful kind of message and a a powerful mindset that is amazing i mean i mean I, i don't really climb anything solo but i know from my own experiences that um vulnerability really brings out in you and i feel like people actually love you more for your vulnerability than if you try to just hide everything. Because I actually currently do in uh, a remote acting class, and we use something called the Meisner technique. And Meisner um, bases a lot around 
using what's called breadcrumbs in acting. So rather than just like playing a scene, like if there's if you go into a scene where you have to be angry at someone or frustrated about something as as the character, you you have something called an emotional breadcrumb, which is where you either picture something or you remember a time you were frustrated and you really get it into your head and as soon as it's there in your head bam you go and you go into the scene and you do the scene because you already have that frustrated emotion going through you you'll and you just say the lines in that emotion and it comes off way better but one of the techniques um that we use that's used in Meisner is something called repetition and it sounds very elementary because what would happen is today, let's say you were like on the other end of like a video or if we were face to face, we'd both start and uh, it's based on moments. So we'd sit there and we and we'd look at each other and I might say something like, you have a red shirt and you wouldn't be allowed to react or explain that or anything. You just repeat, I do have a red shirt. And I'd be like, yes, you do have a red shirt. And you'd be like, yes, I do have a red shirt. And what happens is, is, as basic as that sounds, when you're repeating just what's being said, you're entirely focusing on the other person. And what you start to weirdly notice is um, moods change. This roller coaster that's inside you always. In my last podcast, I talk about the roller coaster of emotions and how that's there no matter what you do. It starts to become apparent. So I might start laughing a bit, like, "Yeah, you do have a red shirt on." You might notice that and say, "I notice you find that funny," and I'm going, "Yeah, I do find that funny. You find that funny." And it goes back and forth. But the only time you ever change the repetition is when you feel a moment, and that's based on vulnerability. It's bloody hard to do because all the time you're wanting to analyze what they've just said, like they're saying. You look nervous. And I'm like, do I look nervous? No, I don't. No, you have to avoid that. You have to say, I look nervous. And you react to that. And what it does, it teaches you to really prime that underlying feeling. And you have to base everything you do basically on that underlying feeling. And it is so much harder than it sounds. But what that does is that it, it makes you aware of your vulnerability. It's not comfortable because all of a sudden you feel like you're being cornered or you feel like, oh, I'm, I'm randomly... and. I've seen actors do this and some of them turn go go like go into tears or break out laughing or they just feel really down. Um so there's a whole bunch of things that can come out of that, but it's through vulnerability you finally find out what's real. And like I said before, I feel people really truly understand you and connect to you when you're vulnerable. So that's another side of vulnerability. What you mentioned about the solo climber, I think that is a big thing. And even me studying programming and software engineering at the moment, I'm studying with two other students and sometimes all day on, and they've managed to solve it in the morning. And and it's going back on what I said about other podcasts when it says you have to be careful not to compare yourself. It's a very human thing to compare yourself to. So I started feeling disheartened because I'm thinking, hang on a minute, if they could solve it in one morning, I spent all day in this thing, I couldn't solve it. Like, surely I can't be as good as them or they're either talented or I suck. So what I did within that, I felt vulnerable and I thought, right, it motivated me to sit down the next morning and really go through it until I absolutely nailed it. And I honestly don't think I would have done that if I didn't, if I wasn't feeling any kind of vulnerability to feeling disheartened about thinking I was rubbish or something. If I felt like I was constantly controlled all the all the time in an unhealthy way, I just don't feel I would have achieved half as much. So that's a very interesting point you made, actually. Yeah, um, what you just said there reminded me of something. I don't know who said it, but it it's something along the lines of if you're the smartest person in a room, you need to find a new room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and that I mean that's 
how much power is there in that itself. It's not necessarily about being the smartest, the funniest, the the quickest or strongest or whatever. It's yeah, almost like acceptance of weakness. Not even even of weakness, acceptance of strong points, of weak points, of even emotional points. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, like so to compare it to something I kind of experience on a regular basis. Um, obviously, like I'm I'm a recording musician and I record my own music. And the studio I work with, I will send over um, demos that I've made. So I, this is stuff that I've written, like it's fresh, it's new. I've done it on my laptop really crudely. And I will send it to the studio so they can have a listen and they'll kind of yay or nay it, right? They'll either go, yeah, that's well worth pursuing or I don't think that's quite there. And And they've been fantastic in setting the precedent that just because we mm-hmm. don't like it, and just because we don't think it's worth pursuing doesn't mean it doesn't have worth. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that we're attacking you. They're doing it entirely from the perspective of this is a benefit to everybody. And they ask the same of me. So when we finish a song and they send it to me, they go, let me know what you think of the mix. And they mean it. And they will call you out if you're not calling them out, you know? And and that is such a healthy place to come from, sure, you know, because yeah. they they will understand. So they must work with hun- not hundreds, but they they work with several artists, and they will understand that okay, this person does this thing, and they're good at this, and they're not so hot at that, and this person's great at that thing, and you know maybe their weakness lies in your strength, right? Yeah. So some something that's kind of happened recently. Um, with that is um one of the bands that he works with they are thinking of putting on a live show so they're like an electronic band Mm -hmm. and um the studio asked me it was like dave could you come along jam with them and try and build up like a live sound for them because they don't have that experience that you do in the live sound arena and they've struggled with this and they've struggled with that. And from what I've seen, you're good at that and you're good at this. And then that may benefit you working with them because they're exceptionally good songwriters. So something to learn. And it's this really powerful thing of like, it's almost like if you look at the Avengers, right? <laughs> right? Okay. Like, like some people, some, some of the Avengers are really, really smart, but they're not so strong. And some of the Avengers are really strong and not so smart. And some of them do magic and some of them are close quarters combat. And some of them are like, bro, now it's like, Use your strengths and accept your weaknesses and then work together. Yeah, exactly. I went on off a complete tangent. I went way away from my notes there. Well, actually, <laughs> but, yeah, um, actually, what you said is something I want to just get another theme on. And um, this might relate to your later notes, but it's something I want to make a point of. And it's uh, quite a big thing when it comes to talking about being vulnerable and also not worrying about where your life's going. Let's talk about failure for a little bit. So I think, again, mm. I always hear weird quotes when I'm a kid and I still, and I, I made no sense of them until later on, but one of the weirdest things I thought I heard, it makes sense now, was don't be afraid of failure. Now, we all think we know like what that means, but when you really think about that, why wouldn't we 
be afraid of failure because failure means what does that lead to that leads to like everything you consider to be bad so like loss of jobs or just general demotivation burnout and things like that or like messing up so people leave you isolation it plays on all your big fears when it comes to failure but why mustn't we be afraid of it and it's not because of failure itself it's it's because failure is what makes you successful and I'm, I'm I truly believe that now um, they say Brandon Webb, the author of the Mastering Fear book, which I finally remember the name of. I, me- I mentioned him in a previous podcast, the book, but I couldn't remember the author. But he said, it's no coincidence that modern millionaires on average have had three bankruptcies because they you learn absolutely everything. You can learn stuff on the side, but you learn pretty much everything by pure experience and by letting things completely screw up. And like, like I said, in studying software engineer, in, in there, software engineering, you pretty much screw up every single day. You can't work out this code, this thing breaks, but you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Failure doesn't necessarily mean everything's going to go horribly wrong, but that's what we associate with. That's a whole different ball game, you know. There's a difference between failure and then life being completely ruined. You know, you if you fail at relationship, you 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 have to learn from what you did and start again. If you fail at a job, you get fired or something. Okay, what did I do wrong? change it around and then again you go back out into the workforce with a new skill and ironically you're actually more hireable if you can take a failure of a job for example and learn from it and go back into the workforce a better person you've actually become better so it's like when you break a bone you break a bone the bone heals but it comes back tougher doesn't it it comes back harder and it's exactly mm-hmm. the same with yeah. it's whatever kill you doesn't whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger it's that kind of it's it's less generic than that but it's that kind of uh place i'm going to uh here so again many many businessmen successful businessmen fail i think it was i think even i heard about the colonel from kentucky fried chicken i think he failed like 27 times or something he tried to start his own franchise and it just completely messed up and then finally on like the 28th time he got it right and now it's one of the leading fast food restaurants in the world so yeah and imagine he had given up on that 27th time yeah that's it and that's what i mean never give up on it and like i said people think that if they haven't gone if they left if they dropped out of high school they're a failure or if they've if they didn't go university they're a failure or they had didn't start working until they're 25 they're a failure no it's none of those things it's what you make of it it's you notice when you go to like well I'm, I'm mentioning the world of business here when you go for like a job interview sometimes they hire you more on your passion than the dude out there who has all the qualifications and stuff if you can show that you've had actual experience you fail and you come back again and you say look this is what i've learned from that if you can show you dove deep into the real world you messed up but you learned from that and you amended things that is way worth way way more i used to think i used to have this view i don't know where i got this from that if you got fired that was it like you couldn't you'd struggle to get another job completely not true Mm. but like that's that's the thing it's the idea of failure ruining everything that stops us from achieving our potential yeah exactly um i'm gonna go through a list of things now (laughs) that i think i think you'll enjoy go ahead um so michael jordan was kicked off his high school basketball team wow (laughs) oprah was fired from her tv job saying she would never make it in television yeah a quote about a very famous band it goes their songs are good but guitar music is on the way out that quote was from a radio presenter talking about the beatles 
Oh, my days. There was a band from the south of England called The Yardbirds who were getting some radio time and the presenter said, that band is so ill-conceived it should be sure to fail like a Zeppelin made of lead. Jimmy Page then took that phrase, dropped the A out of lead and made Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so I, I love I love stuff like that. I absolutely love stuff like that. And I just wanted to share it with Wasn't you. Wasn't it Walt Disney um, that the... got fired from a newspaper agency because of lack of creativity? I heard that one as well. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of crazy things. And that's another way to kind of talk about this power that they have with being vulnerable. They, they kind of stuck none of these people were deterred from external forces. They kept pursuing that one thing. Right. You know, they, they, they kept going with it. Um, so one of the, I want to go back to rock climbing for, very go briefly. Back, There's yeah. another documentary uh, called The Dawn Wall, uh, which I just watched last night, actually, and it, it, you know, brought up some really, really good ideas. Mm-hmm. So the the guy who climbed it, so this is, again, this is another climb this isn't free soloing. This is free climbing. So you and a buddy, you have to climb a wall together. So one climb will go first. You've got ropes and you're putting in, um, I think they, they, I don't know what they're called. I should know that. Where well, you're putting in the clips in the wall, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. And then you, you, yeah, and you're breaking down the whole climb into different pitches. And they were doing a wall that was considered unclimbable. Right. Now, the guy who was head of this is a guy called Tommy Coldwell, I think that's how you say his mm-hmm. name. Now, that took him six years of prep. In that time, wow. but, well, even before that, he was on a climbing expedition in Kyrgyzstan. Yeah. And him and his climbing troop were taken hostage by uh, Muslim rebels who were rebelling against government. They thought, we're going to get some American hostages. Oh, my days. Um yeah, so they were captured for six days. Oh boy! Uh, two of the two of the captors left, um, never came back for whatever reason. Then this uh, another one left, saying like we need to find food, and they were climbing a mountain. And the, obviously, they them experienced mountain climbers, and this uh, rebel was struggling to do the same. And uh, it's a really kind of dark moment. The so Tommy said. I just saw him stood on the edge of a cliff. The only guy, you know, who was keeping us here. And he just went and he pushed him off the side of a mountain. Oh my days. And they managed to free, I know, awful, awful. Um, but that led him to then pursue rock climbing in this way. And everybody said, you can't do it. You're just being crazy because you've been through this emotional trauma and you don't know how to deal with it. So he... Tried and tried and prepared. Took him nine, no, sorry, six years. Took him six years. And even in that time, his wife left him. Wow. He cut off his index finger when he was uh, sawing a bit of wood. Oh, my days. Now, (laughs) when you're a climber, you need your index finger. A lot of your grip comes from that. So not only was he trying to do a climb that was considered impossible, there was no roots, so he had to plan the whole thing and learn it, and then teach it to someone else. But he also had to retrain his right hand to climb without an index finger. Oh, my days. Right? Right. Still does it. Still does yep. it. Takes him, Takes him. Uh, it's like 12 days. Him and someone else, they do it. And then even in the middle of it, there's a whole media circus about it for some reason. And there's media outlets writing them off as like thrill seekers. 
you know, oh, they're just adrenaline junkies and they're just doing it because they're crazy. Yeah. And th- there's a bit in the, docu- in the documentary where they ask him, he goes, what do you think about that? They go, and he just says, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know me. They they don't know what I've been through. They don't know the work I've put in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and he was like, I don't care. Let And he was like, let them say what they want to say. And he actually said kind of with like a cheeky kind of thing. It's like, you know, if even if they're saying bad things about me, at least people will know what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I thought it was this really powerful moment. He goes, he was, and I've said this phrase before, he was, he was compelled beyond a reasonable doubt to do it. There was something in him that said, I need to do this. Even though everyone told, his parents told him not to do yeah. it. You know, his wife left him. He cut off his finger and he still did this impossible thing. You know, that just goes to show, and it's something I've always believed in, actually, just from my own experience, that the the only the only secrets to success are two words, persistence and consistency. Really, that's all that it really mm-hmm. takes. I mean, you know, it, it's for in each and individual, like every one of us, hopefully we won't go through anything as, you know, traumatic as what that guy went through. But even, even so, it's like we... we you know, we can't take everything people say, even if even if they are loved ones, we can't take everything people say on face value. You know, it's not not everybody knows what's best for us. Only you know what's best for yourself, you know. Um, and it can be it could be as something as just simple as a hairstyle change. It could be it could be just anything. But the thing is, at the end of the day, even if it could, turns out completely meh, you did it for yourself and you always have that like i and there is no pride there's no little self pride inside you like when you did something regardless of what people said to a degree obviously like don't you know don't start some fascist party and like oppress everybody you know there's there's common sense involved <laughs> but like in in general it's it's you only you know what's best for you, and again, it's it's going back to my point of mm-hmm. comp- and uh, comparing yourself. <clears throat> excuse me, comparing yourself to friends, to family, to people who have been doing something longer or shorter time than you have. You start to realize pe- people's lives and skills are very very complicated. Just because you know some, just because someone's told you you can't do this, just because someone's does something better than you do does not mean that your work means nothing you know does Mm -hmm. i mean it has nothing to do with that no it doesn't it doesn't at all and even like with this climber when um this woman was absolutely slaying him off because oh i think he's crazy you know like i think he shouldn't be doing this and it's just like well you don't climb mountains it's just ridiculous like why why pass comment and surely, yeah, yeah. more than anything, it says more about the person transmitting that negative kind of message than it does the person they're actually speaking about. Her saying oh, yeah. they're crazy, they shouldn't be doing this, says way more about her than it does about them. Because they shrug it off and they keep doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know? Whereas she's, you know, she's almost projecting the negative side of herself. She's reinforcing again this is coming back to what we said but reinforcing these ideas these structures yeah in probably and and even worse it feels sorry for it probably because she genuinely believes them and maybe doesn't believe in herself you know yeah yeah exactly and again it's um one of the subjects i i do like to talk about is how dealing with naysayers and 
it, it's it's crazy when you actually truly think about why people say these kind of things. Like, why would you go and go, don't do it, you'll never do it. Like, what is it, if you think about it, someone who was truly happy within themselves, someone who, you know, enjoyed the success of other people, why, this is me, anyone who was truly happy with their lives, why would they have any reason to tell someone otherwise? And it always comes from, like you said, Dave, projection, projections of insecurities. Like you always say, oh, they tell you not to do it because they tried and never managed to do it themselves. They gave up and became bitter. And one of my favorite drummers uh, of all time, a guy called Chris Coleman, he he says, his says his motto for life is bitter or better. And because he was, he went to music school, he he worked tirelessly to be good at his art. He got $100,000 in debt, he got his car towed, his life was falling apart. But for every single scenario, he checked, you have to do like a self-check, is this what I want to do? Is this who I am? Could I, I, could I see myself doing anything else? And then the other thing, when bad things happen, are you going to be, you can sit around and be bitter about it, or you can take that and be better with it. And as motivational speech as that sounds, let's really think about that. You know, what comes out of being bitter about something? What comes out of being insecure about something and projecting that? Absolutely, you, all you get is a very small ego boost that you've told someone not to do something. But that's all it is. And what you, in in return, you you could potentially be curbing someone for something they could be an absolute world changer in. You know? Yeah, but so not only that, you could you're damaging yourself. Again, you're reinforcing yeah. this this idea that you shouldn't try and you shouldn't, you know, kind of be, I hate saying this, but true to yourself. And then yeah. the more you do it to others, it doesn't even make you feel good, I don't think. Like no. when you've, I, and I, I've never done it. I would never, I would, I, I hope I haven't. I don't think I have. And I never would hopefully in the future say, oh, don't do that. Why, why would anyone other than, I don't know, self-pity, a place yeah. of, um, place of failure a place of you know self-consciousness why else would you say it yeah yeah i i really and that's the thing it's um i don't think sometimes they know why they're doing it they think it's part of their personality that they just don't you know they they don't they don't like people that one of the one of the most famous things i always hear is i hate people and and we all and we all say it naturally as a joke but some people think they really mean it and it's I mean, it comes from a different place, and I mean that's a whole other topic. I, w- I won't go too far on that tangent there, mm. but uh, but why my general gist of that is where does it come from? When whenever you have a feeling of telling someone not to do so, sometimes it comes from a good place though. Sometimes your parents just like parents, for example, might just be worried about you. Sometimes you might not have you not be lucky, and you might have parents that are quite toxic and they are very narcissistic. I, I seem to remember watching. And, you know, I don't normally watch any shows like this, but I think it was on TV once um, and I just sat down while it was on. Well, that's what I tell people anyway. I'm just joking. Um, but I um, I think it was like a bride trying on some wedding dresses, one of those shows, and her mum was there. And she was just... she. Her mum was ignoring a daughter. Her friends were trying to comment on stuff. Her mum was on trying her own wedding dresses and trying to get everyone to look at her. And I'm just thinking, that is the strangest behaviour I've ever seen in a mother. And I just think... Uh, <laughs> The thing is, narcissistic narcissistic behavior is thrown around a bit too much. Narcissistic personality disorder is an actual thing, and it is quite rare, actually. Some people are just self-obsessed, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're narcissistic. But something like that is very worrying sign. I mean, that is like beyond... 
what would can be considered normal and a reaction for human beings to do. Like I was actually quite fascinated. It was so bad. It, it was fascinating that someone would, you know, be so absorbed within themselves. But this is the thing, and and my point again with that is. This, some some people are surrounded and are brought up with this. So how on earth are they going to have any kind of self esteem and self like pres- preservation and worth going going through all that? And that's the topic mm-hmm. today is about you know don't worry if you feel your life is quote unquote all over the place. First of all, is that what people have been telling you? Is that is that if you compared your life to society's expectation of how you're supposed to live, you know, is, is your life really yeah. a mess? Or actually, do you have a roof over your head? Are you, you know, are you warm? Are you eating? Yeah, what metric are you using to measure that statement that you're saying? Exactly. That's exactly it. And even though, like, this seems to, everyone looks at these people like, oh, they've got all their ducks in a row. You know, like they, they've sorted. They know exactly what they're doing. I love that phrase. But like, and and you think, oh, you know, they've got it sorted. Take a look at what's just happened with this pandemic. Everyone had a plan yeah. and um, life just hit the brakes and just went, deal with it. So you can have a plan. And I often find when you have a plan, they often never play out that way. There's so many variables <laughs> that can change. It's almost like you hi- kind of have to have... The way I say it is kind of have like a vision, have like a general vision. Oh, sorry, a specific vision, but the method and the way you get there can change so you can adapt as you go, you know? Yes. Because even exactly if you it. had like, oh, I've got a 10-year plan, it's like, but how do you how do you know? You're not even going to be the same person in 10 years. How did you know? And then once you, it's almost like you're entrenched in it because even if you're like five years in, you're like, oh, well, I can't quit now even though it's not what I want. You know, it's just I don't I don't get how that is something that people think they need to do. I mean, I'm I t- saying that yeah. I think I need to think like that, but I'm glad that yeah. I kind of don't. I'm quite good at winging it though. Well, it's, it's funny thing is, uh, I am partially guilty of that. I used to have five year plans and ten year plans. Right now, as we speak, I'm staring at my quote unquote calendar. Now I'm in lockdown as a musician. And I'm full-time studying software engineering, so I'm actually not... I don't have any need for really a schedule other than my own learning plan. I'm a a self-learner, which is extremely hard sometimes self-motivation-wise, but you have to have a reason for a plan. If you're making a plan just so you have something in place... It's it, this is the thing, and and what I used to do, I used to make plans and schedules, and I go right. I've planned out the next two years, and like you said, Dave, I things would never go to plan because things change. You know, I. I like three years ago I had a plan what I would do in my life and then I joined a cruise ship where I, I met my my girlfriend and now my plans completely changed but for the better obviously it's not like oh that's happened now I have to change it all <laughs> it's for the better you do have to adapt and it's exactly what you're saying Dave is exactly what I agree with and I have a very bad tendency to try and make a very strict plan like even this afternoon it's like this morning is like this morning study this coding have lunch do a workout this afternoon between three and mm-hmm. six o'clock. Do a podcast, but but the problem is when time goes over, I start to get a little bit antsy. I'm like, oh no, I need to spend. But I'm like, what am I doing? Why am I doing that? And it's something I'm guilty of doing. But I'm again, as you're saying, Dave, this is what I'm starting to personally learn: is that you can't plan too hard, make a provisional plan, and if you don't do it, 
for whatever reason, don't worry about it. And as we had one of our guests, Mike Davis, the musician, said sometimes, if you need to take a day of Netflix, take the darn day of Netflix. And it's something that I'm yeah. instilling in my life a lot more often. So yeah, exactly. You can't make up. You can't make. You can make a provisional plan. But you don't expect to stick to it because you never know what might happen. If you've got a plan to like get better at a skill like I'm doing, that's fine because that is if if I didn't have this plan, I probably wouldn't spend half the time I am now trying to learn that. And I've learned so much just having a plan, but you've got to be careful, like you're saying, about life plans, which was what I used to make, but sadly they just don't they just never work out the plan. No. No. I it must be hard. I what you said there, I'm 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 kinda similar in a day. I seem to have, I don't know where it's instilled from. I've, the the pandemic's helped kind of relinquish it a little bit. I seem to have mm-hmm. this thing of like, oh, I need to wake up at this time and have this done by then so I can then do this at this time and then I need to eat. And it's like, I was watching the clock. And you're like, this is yes. lunacy. This is absolute lunacy. But again, this is something that's reinforced from the outside, you know, nine to five. Oh, you, oh you're late. Oh, you're turning up late. Oh, you, you're leaving early. It's like this idea of late and early is so kind of preposterous just because of this kind of structure that we find ourselves in but yeah the, the this pandemic has been really useful for me to really just kind of go it's kind of relic not relinquish responsibility but relinquish the the timekeeping and that i need mm-hmm. to do this today because every day is exactly the same at this point so it's like it doesn't matter if i do it because i've <laughs> got all tomorrow and that's been really nice and you actually find that when you're taking your time and you're not too worried about it. I was speaking to a friend yesterday and we were talking about writing songs and I've written some really, what I would consider some of my strongest kind of songs in the last month because there's been no, there's been none of this, okay, well, I'm working till five. So when I come home, I have a few hours to write a song as opposed to just waking up and then, you know, watching Netflix, maybe go for a run, eat a bagel and then you go, well, I've got a song idea and then you just spend hours doing it. It's so strange. It's such a strange thing totally feel you on that one i completely feel you like it's amazing how much time flies when you're in quote unquote the zone in something Mm. but this is the thing like i'm again even with my calendar i'm learning software engineering and programming and web development and i have this plan where i'm going to sit and watch this course for two hours and i'm going to do three hours of this and four hours of that but the best way to do it actually is to have that as a provision and then go, actually, I've always, because I'm trying to make an app that tracks the International Space Station in real time. So you go on this, you Good go on the Lord. app, and then what it does, it tracks it on a map exactly where it is at any given point. And That's I have awesome. this idea, and then before I know it, I've worked on the basics. It's been three hours, but, and I'm like, oh no, I didn't do my course. I didn't do what my plan said. But I have learned more in that time doing my own mm. projects and working things out on my own than that than a whole week of that course would ever tell me. The course just gives you the tools to do exactly what I was just bloody doing. So it's it's remembering that. And I just think that is for every aspect of life. And you mentioned a lockdown, Dave. I honestly think, now there's a lot happening in this lockdown. Do not get me wrong. There are people who are essential workers who are working. And we, we are, I mean, in this country, we appreciate them more than anything. Like they're the, they keep... They, they they keep us running really um oh yeah 100%. at the same time yeah exactly and then, but at the same time there's people who used to who you know like you said they work nine to five they they just do they they plan they do all this thing and all of a sudden um this coronavirus has just grabbed them and said right okay this has happened this is you don't have to worry about this anymore like deal with it like you said deal with it and i'm i'm hoping 
for some of us, and again, this is a very, um, this is only a percentage of us. I'm hoping that some of us realize that it's important to just stop sometimes and they see the benefits of stopping and working smarter. And I think there's going to be a lot, there's going to be some changes in definitely in our perspectives on work, uh, basically. And so I think some people and some people feel guilty during this pandemic to have time off and to enjoy themselves. But again, like I'm going to start saying this in every podcast now. Uh, well, most, as far as I remember anyway, because in the last podcast I talk about you have to really challenge your beliefs and the things that come into your head. Challenge that. Why do you feel guilty for being off? You know, it's not like, because you feel we have this stiff upper lip culture where, you know, if you're, if you're slacking in any kind of way, oh, you're being lazy, you're not. It's wrong of you to take that rest. But some, some people... Um, have been doing a career and have, have been working so hard in their lives and are, and then they, they have time off and all of a sudden they feel guilty. I'm like, what are you feeling guilty for? You now finally have a reason to actually get take that rest. And by taking that rest, you can go back newer than before. And like I said, that, that applies to a small majority of us, of course, you know, compared to mm-hmm. people who have to work and things like that. And there's different opinions on that, of course, which I fully appreciate. But I just hope there are people out there who start to see you know, who give themselves a break. And there's some people who deal with some terrible disorders, you know, people who are trying to work and they've got severe depression, they may have epilepsy, they can't work, anxieties, all sorts of psychosis, and they can't work. And this is the thing, it's about just fully accepting your situation, bitter or better, and then just taking it from there. That's amazing, that. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> that'll be perfect. our good anyone because I can't believe it's nearly that time, Dave. I think it's nearly time to end this episode. We're at 45 minutes already and this time just flies. I'll tell you what, when I'm doing episodes of my own... Oh, Lord, that's, that's mad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's mad. mad. And when I've, I do epi- I've still got notes, even though, even though you said to me, let's go off your notes. We still didn't touch. No, oh. yeah, that's it. We still... <laughs> we always, I always say to Dave, I always say, he always has loads of notes for me and I'm like, okay, let's get started. We, we, we go back and forth on maybe two points. Then before we know it, it's been 50 minutes and then Dave comes to me afterwards and goes I didn't go through a single one of my notes and it's something we're trying to address but it's just <laughs> the topics are just so bounce offable aren't they so uh, but yeah so- but again it's re- it, that's just going back to our thing it's like I had a plan there we go yeah. you know, I had a plan for this podcast <laughs> and, and in 45 minutes I completely ruined it but it doesn't matter because look what's happened yeah. When I allowed myself to deviate from it and kind of go with my gut and kind of go with what I was feeling and then you know I think it's I think it's okay. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding, folks. Or in this case, the proof is in the podcast. Yeah. So um, I think Ooh, that's a bombshell to end it on. But Dave, no, um, I think we... <laughs> actually, this is quite a big topic and a very important topic. So I think I'm definitely going to... I'll definitely have you back again, Dave, to do part two of this because I think there's a lot more oh, yeah. we can 100%. talk about. But for now, that is everything for today. That's all we all we have time for. I sound like I'm actually on a radio show. But uh, for those of you listening to a podcast, we appreciate you listening. I can see... Uh, people starting to pick up this a little bit more so we appreciate uh, you listening so today just in conclusion today for our listeners here um so today we talked about a lot of things in relating to how you view life you know we it's very normal it's something i used to do something a lot of uh, i know a lot of people do we compare our lives a lot to other people and we have a way you know when we're schooled we have a way of being taught right you have to in order to be successful you need to do this this and this and success is what you need to aim for not necessarily you have to look the important thing is to look in yourself and do what you feel you are made to do 
And you might, if you don't know that, that's fine. Just do your daily duties uh, and your life will be fine. And it's about not, again, not comparing, doing things regardless. And the self-satisfaction you get out of that is better than any kind of ego inflating satisfaction of trying to be, you know, because a lot of people live and work for the sake of other people's expectations you know they they live they work in miserable jobs just so they can get a certain salary have a certain looking car have a certain looking partner um or a partner they just want to get with because they don't want to be alone because they don't want to have that vulnerability of people judging them because it's not to society's expectation but as Dave rightly said being vulnerable is what makes you stronger it's what makes you sure and your life gets better with that so if you're in a space now where you feel you can't be vulnerable forget everything life says if you're a guy forget about that male toxicity where you have to be a quote-unquote a man uh, for women forget about them that that society pressure that you have to look or be a certain way just be you and if you've, you people love you more for you and if you're surrounded people by naysayers, you have to just change your friends, I'm afraid. I'm sorry, but sometimes... You do. Unfortunately, you do. If, if, if you're kind of thinking, oh, I kind of have a friend that's a bit negative, just you can have good friends that are bad to be around. Yeah, exactly. That, that can happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. It's, it's about, again, I, I think I've said this a few times, you're the average of the five people, apparently, that you spend the most time around. And I think you need to, you can love, you can love friends and leave them. You can love family and, and leave them. You know, you don't have to be around people mm-hmm. who are toxic 24 seven that doesn't mean don't don't honor them or dislike them or hate them it just means i love you man but my time is important it's the only commodity i truly have i have to spend it in ways that are productive to me and i think it once you get that solidified and make that decision within yourself that's when you start living life on your own terms and you will find people come to you and I will finish today on the quote um, by the uh, very famous monk, Ajahn Chah. He says, if you try and look for peace, it's like trying to find a turtle wearing a mustache. You just won't find it. But when your heart is ready, peace will come looking for you. And some of you might think that sounds a bit corny, but actually you have to see what's being said there. When your heart is ready, when you are ready within yourself, that peace, that joy, that all comes looking for you. It's I don't know much about law of attraction or anything like that. I'm not saying that is that, but you will find you have that imprint in your mind. You actively seek those experiences and those people. Right, uh, Dave, is there anything else you want to finish on before we do the official closing Dan speech? I'm going to keep it nice and simple. Okay. Michael Jordan was kicked off the high school basketball team, and I really want you to think about that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's it. Just think about that and think about how crazy that is. Yes. That's all I've got to say, man. Exactly. Michael Jordan, everybody. Remember that and look at him and look at where he got. So, Dave, that's been brilliant. Thank you so much for... Uh, all your input today and uh, I, I send a heartfelt apology to your beautiful notes you must have written now but we keep them in a cupboard somewhere because we will come back to them or keep them on your phone because they will be coming back to you because your insights are always good to bounce off so again Dave thank you so much I mean, for being here today yeah I, I say notes but these are ideas that just keep me up at night I'm not gonna <laughs> lie these are ideas that bounce around my head on a, an hourly basis almost so I feel you, man. I, I, I feel you. Um, yeah, but, but they're brilliant, Dave. So, yeah, thank you for all of them anyway.
Yeah, thanks for having me, Dan. Cheers. No, no problem. Right, okay, so that's ep- episode 17 wrapping up. So, again, um, episodes are released twice per week, every Tuesday and Friday. I try and get them posted on the same day, but sometimes, you know... Um, I like to say I, I get busy sometimes, but in lockdown, you know, I don't really have an excuse for that anymore. But sometimes I just have to try and do my study and then leave it until the next day. But anyway, keep an eye out. I do post it on Facebook. Um, also, it'll be up. To keep an eye on Spotify and iTunes. It's updated on there. And I'm also on Podbean as well. In the meantime, everyone take care during the lockdown and bye bye. Thank you for tuning in. Please visit the website, theselfhelpplace.com for more information.